Welcome to the World Football Summit podcast, the show for football industry leaders who want to stay ahead of the game. We bring you the latest insights, trends, and stories from the experts driving innovation and progress in sports business worldwide. Join us as we dive deep into the ideas and initiatives transforming the world of football. From sustainability and innovation to player development, fan engagement, and everything in between. Our goal is to unite the global football industry and drive positive change and progress. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the World Football Summit podcast. I'm your host, Jaime, CMO at World Football Summit. Today, we welcome Tony Kerki to the show. Tony is currently part of the team that works on broadcasting the MLS on Apple TV. So this is an amazing opportunity for you to learn some of the details behind that groundbreaking deal. Not only that, Tony has more than 20 years of experience hosting TV shows and covering live games, so the amount of knowledge he brings to the table is off the charts. Tony and I discussed his decision to join the Apple TV project, what it's like to be in the team, and the potential he sees for the MLS. We discussed the current trends and the future of sports broadcasting, and Tony was also kind enough to share leadership advice and even anecdotes from his interviews with legends like Kaká, Thierry Henry, Javier Zanetti, or even the legend himself, Pelé. This episode will not leave you indifferent, so I recommend you stick around. But before we jump into the episode, we want to remind you that World Football Summit Europe is just around the corner on September 20th and 21st. Don't miss out on the opportunity to help shape the future of football. Head over to www.worldfootballsummit.com to buy your tickets. Again, that's www.worldfootballsummit.com. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter where every week we send updates, trends, and everything that goes on in our universe. Nothing else from my side. Enjoy this conversation with Tony Kirby. Well, Tony, welcome to the World Football Summit podcast. It's great to have you. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, I think we're going to cover very interesting topics about, you know, your journey, the MLS, the Apple deal. Um, so looking forward to it. Welcome. Uh, th thanks for having me, Jaime. Yes, uh, sorry to talk uh, about this uh, new uh, Apple TV Major League Soccer project and, and all other topics that we discussed before. So, so thank you for having me. It's a fascinating time, and with everything that's going on, the latest having uh, Messi <laughs> around there, around there. But before we go into the episode, Tony, um, I don't know if you can briefly introduce yourself. And I always like to ask my guest, why is it that you do what you do? Uh, I would have to say, it, uh, in a simple line, I would have to say out of passion. I mean, uh, I grew up being a sports fan in general. Uh, I, I credit uh, for that a lot to my dad because he was uh he still is uh a, a sports addict i mean he he can watch whatever kind of soccer match you put on the tv or uh, uh he can watch baseball he can watch any sport so uh i grew up with that influence and that made me uh that made me fall in fall in love with the game it's, especially football especially soccer because my my dad being italian he always uh, followed the uh, Serie A and uh, other European leagues, and then they took me to the stadium a couple of times in, in Caracas, Venezuela, where I'm from, where I was born. So that I, I would credit him uh, with part of that love for the game. And 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 uh, for me, growing up after uh, going to uh, to school and deciding what to do uh, when I was about to go to go to college, it was how can I be close to what I love. And, and, and the closer that I could be without being an athlete was uh, being a sports journalist. So that, that, that led me to it. I actually resonate a lot of, with that story. I think I'm doing pretty much the same thing <laughs> out of the incapacity to become an athlete. Um, so Tony, yeah, you joined the project of the MLS and Apple TV. Um, and we're going to go into uh, your, your journey there. But so far, what's your balance of, of, of the first season, uh, you know, of that it's a landmark deal. You think about it; it's groundbreaking. So, sure. so what's what's? How do you measure the success of that? Is it just TV ratings? I mean, what, what's your overall feeling? I I can I can speak for myself, but I can also uh, 
echo what I've been told from from people involved in this project in the higher hierarchy, for, for say, let's say, um, is that we, we're not measuring things in terms of, of viewership, of, although that's a main thing whenever you're starting something uh, uh, that's related to a TV project, although this is new, this is streaming. I mean, not new, but uh, in, in this volume, it's certainly new. You didn't have any lead uh, relying almost exclusively on uh, on a streaming platform. So so this is really revolutionizing. So um, I speak for myself and also for, for people involved in this project when I say that the main thing is to create a fan experience, a good fan experience for people that follows the MLS and also for people that maybe are not that aware of the, uh, not the existence, but the consistency and the, the um, level of football of soccer that you can see uh, day by uh, week by week in the MLS. So in in those terms, I think we're making uh, extremely unexpected progress in terms of having those whatever 12 or 14 games each Saturday on with uh, at least a couple of audio options in Spanish and English and some of the games in, in uh, French and and doing that from scratch uh, w w with a, an operation that began three, four months before the season started. I, I think this is huge and, and it's been underestimated in the industry. Well, I don't know if it's been underestimated but because I know that many people uh, at that point before the season started bet that we wouldn't be able to do it. And, and, and we're doing it and we're doing it cleanly. So for me, that's a huge... Uh, um, step forward, and and I know that since this deal is, is a ten year deal, uh, at first I think there's room. After we put this uh, on a well oiled machine, I think the next step is going to be add some content around it. Three four months, wow, that's yeah. just amazing. I mean, congratulations, guys, because uh, that's that's a great feat given the also the pressure. After seeing, you know, uh, you know, company like Apple going into s soccer uh, in mm, the United yes. States, so there's a lot of first of all, congratulations on that. And I don't know, would you be able to highlight two, three, call it pillars behind uh, the success of that launch? Well, first of all, it had to be teamwork because this is uh, an operation that involves, uh, <clears throat> of course, many people that different entities in terms of this is Major League Soccer starting a production, a TV production business. This is Major League Soccer also seeking people that has worked on TV for a long time, which is in this instance, IMG and NEP, people that provide uh, um, technical services, production, uh, studios. And then there's Apple, which has its own vision of how uh, it should be done. So you cannot do it if you're not willing to work as a team because uh, as I was saying, those are uh, very different entities. So that that is uh, first. Then <clears throat> the passion around the, the sport. I've, I've been blessed to work with many people that really not only follows the league, Major League Soccer, but are, are also pretty connected to it. Uh, my... my uh, Lead analyst is a guy that played for almost ten years in this league, uh, Diego Valeri, and a guy that's really a legend within uh, Major League Soccer. And he's he'd never done TV before or something or or anything uh, alike. And and his has been so smooth in his transition to to this role after only one year of being uh, an active player. And um, and there's as as it's with him, there's also a lot of people that. Um, has given a, a pretty inside angle of what it is to uh, live this uh, this league uh, uh, week by week. So those those I would say are the the main uh, basis on on which uh, this project has uh, has become alive. And I really like that answer because at the end of the day, it's it's um, goes back to soft skills. Nothing technical. Nothing you know. It's really just but you you know. Teamwork, passion, probably a lot of hard work, obviously. Uh, yes, that, yes. That's, a, that's a given. Um, yes. Now, 
I, I want to understand because you had a very, very successful career before that. Um, and, and I highly recommend the audience to, to, you know, to check out the highlights of your Thank career. You. Thank you. Thanks, um, Javier. You were, you were a key reference at Tudén in Mexico. Um, so was the decision to leave your role at Tudén and jump into this project, which, yes, it's Apple, but at the end of the day, it's a big unknown. Was it easy? Yes. Um, it wasn't easy, uh, but at the same time, it wasn't so hard. Let me explain. So I really enjoyed what I did uh, in today, and 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't have taken that leap from ESPN, which was my uh, uh, prior uh, job, if I wouldn't have been really tempted of what we were going to do there. And I and I did it, and I enjoyed it because I was pretty attached. Uh, to the European uh, football coverage in, in, in any in all the terms that I could be in, um, we did Champions League coverage with a daily show. We did um, uh, we also covered the Champions League finals on site, which was a, a thing that I that I had in mind when I was uh, at ESPN. And I uh, I couldn't do at that 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 moment at ESPN. So I really enjoyed it, and then it wasn't much of a choice because they kind of change uh, what the, the project was about. And then they, a lot of the things that we were doing uh, in the Miami office, which was uh, what I was working at, um, they changed it and they re-channeled it to the Mexico offices and, and then didn't give that much of a priority to that project. So when they approached to me about making that change, about going back to Mexico, which uh, um, a place that I lived uh, um, that I lived in for uh, more than a decade, it wasn't aligned either with my personal um, circumstances or my professional uh, ambition at that point. So I said no thanks at that at that point, and at that point, um, it wasn't. I mean, the Apple project was probably. Uh, close, but not. I hadn't started negotiating or anything like that. So I just I just took a pause, and then um, the conversations with with MLS and Apple came, and it was at that point. I mean, I, I was totally into it because I knew what the deal, the ten year deal between Apple and, and MLS uh, uh, meeting was, and and also for me, uh, it may not grant the respect of other top leagues in the world, uh, Major League Soccer. But the, the way that they have grown in the last decade, for me, that deserves a lot of respect. And that uh, just tells you that they've been doing things right. So I, were, I wanted to be associated with, with the league at that point. So, so it worked for the best at, the, at that time. I, I agree. I actually had a conversation with uh, Jordan Gardner on the show. He's an American investor and he's following uh, MLS. And, and we were discussing the rise in MLS valuations, um, how little by little you see soccer become embedded in the culture uh, of the United States, finally. Sure. You know? so, so I think yes. it's a great um, moment to, to um, go into a project like this, but you have to make it work. There's a lot of pressure, as was mentioned before. No? I don't know how, I don't know if you share whatever you can share, but are there any highlights on one hand and challenges of the position that you can share with the audience? Sure. Sure. I mean, one of the highlights, uh, I, I often get asked that, this question, and one of the highlights is to, in, in my career, I've been blessed with covering a lot of sports, and, and most of the time, of the times at the same time, I mean, when I'm, I'm saying this, uh, uh, what, what I mean is that maybe you, a Wednesday you get a Champions League game, and then a Thursday you get an NBA game, and that's, that's wonderful, because I love uh, many sports, but on the other side, that's, there's a downside of that is, and is that you sometimes you cannot focus uh, completely or 100 percent as, as you would want in a sport or in a league if you are doing that kind of job. So, so this gives me the opportunity to, to follow a league pretty strictly, the, the, to go into detail that I may not be able with with some other leagues that I've covered before. And then the the, the challenges, yes, they, they are a lot. But uh, I would say, in this first year, the challenge has been for us, and 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 I, I speak for the team that that does the shows, the the um, studio shows around the games, with the pre games, the post games, is that with with the time windows, 
it's sometimes it's challenging to uh, at, at least live to watch all the games at, at some point because you go in and out of the studio you you do a pregame for the let's say 7:30 p.m. eastern time games which are the the most five or six uh it's saturday and then uh 8:30 you get some other two or three games starting at that point so it's kind of difficult we're trying to to uh work and work a system per, to to make it easier we we got of course we got screens in the studio and and there's a green room where you can watch a game so so that's so far, it's been the, the most challenging part of it. Well, you guys have just started. I mean, at the end of the day, yes. um, as you said before, this is a 10-year project. So, I mean, let's compare this to one year from now, to two years from now, from five years from now. That, that's going to be yeah. way much better. No. Um, one of the things I was curious, in, and I'm always curious about, you know, broadcasting. And, and there's a lot of, um, you know, with the rise of social media, fans just interacting and, and willing to give their opinion and sharing their opinion. Yeah. And so... In that way, do you kind of like incorporate these opinions from social media, from fans into your broadcasting dynamics in a way? Well, you have to. I mean, it would be it would be um, pretty naive to think that that part it, it doesn't influence some of the the work that you do in in terms of and and, and I and I. I always take what what's happening on social media with a grain of salt because there's there's you know all type all sorts of of, of characters over there. But uh, for me, it's a it's a nice way to get a sense of what you're doing in terms of how it's impacting people. You know, and you 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 have to have thick skin whenever you go into social media to to get to know a little bit of the sense of of what you're doing. But I would say that for us, being this the first year, it is important to to listen to people, to read what they have to say about uh, what we're doing, because this this is all new. And so, I mean, you know, we're not going to reinvent television, although this is streaming. But you you uh, go by the kind of the same principles in some uh, in some ways. But uh, I pay attention to what's been say what's been said uh, on social media. But you. You cannot just drive yourself by those comments. So, so I would say yes, it's impactful. Yes, it connects. It connects you to people, and it lets you know what they're thinking about the product that's uh, that's put on display. But it isn't everything, and then you you have to go in there knowing that. And then um, yes, I mean it's kind of like the athletes themselves. You know, I think they face the same kind of pressure. The coaches, at sure. the end of the day, it's a little bit like that. Yes. It, it, in a way, everything's related, no? Um, and another thing I was curious about is, because the MLS at the end of the day, and some people may not realize this, but it competes in viewership a lot with actually Liga, Liga MX, no? Liga Mexico. Yes. Um, in fact, I was looking at some stats and I think Liga Mexico was, you know, I mean, it had even more viewership than Champions League games and Premier League games. So, yes. So, you know. Um, how do you think this partnership with Apple has impacted the coverage of the MLS in, call it, the Spanish-speaking population of, of both the U.S. and maybe even Spanish markets in general. Yes. Well, you know, it's hard to say at this point because the, the project has been uh, on air for, what, four months? So I can, I can tell you what I think is going to happen. And I think that's uh, the thing is that we're going to grow in terms of Spanish-speaking audience because... That's for sure an audience that already uh, MLS has uh, for all this year's, not only bringing a good uh, league in terms of, uh, of level of, of football, soccer, in terms of uh, the show around it, uh, but also the, the type of players that have been coming onto the league for the last 10 or, or 12 years, or, it, or even when the league started to exist with a lot of Mexican, very good Mexican players at that point, Rafa Marquez, and if you go back, uh, Cuauhtémoc Blanco, Jorge Campos. I mean, there's been an influence of the, those type of players. Right now, Chicharito, Alan Pulido, there's a lot. But the thing is that, for the, the thing that makes me think that this is going to grow even larger is because of this initiative called the Leaks Cup, which already existed before, but it is as if it wouldn't have been there before because this is going to be a totally different tournament. We're, we're going to get 47 
teams, all of the teams in the uh, Liga MX, Liga MX, all of the teams in Major League Soccer competing this summer in a tournament that that is going to look is is going to be the first look at a 46 World Cup, uh, 46 teams World Cup that we're going to have three years from now. So this is going to be very interesting, and this is going to play into the already um, uh, working uh, rivalry that we have between Mexican teams and U.S. teams, and uh, and. And we've had it for a long time with CONCACAF Champions League, with, with uh, in terms of uh, uh, national teams with Nations League, Gold Cup, and all of that stuff. But that's going to be reinvigorated with this idea of League's Cup. So, and, and coincidentally, we'll have Messi's debut on that same tournament. So for me, this is one of the bigger parts of, of this deal, of this uh, uh, working together between MLS and, and League's and, um and Major League Soccer. League Cup is going to be a, a huge success, in my opinion. I think so, too. I, I agree. And, and you know, I will dare to say I wouldn't be surprised if other regions of the world do similar initiatives just to boost viewership. Um, I don't know if it's in Europe or, you know, Latin America or wherever, but I think that's going to happen, um, uh, you know, more more frequently. And, and of course, uh, Messi. I mean, you're just going to get uh, just a boost because of his participation. And, and I don't think it's only going to be him. I think more, more stars now are going to be joining um, sure. the MLS. Um, and overall, now that we speak about Messi, um, how do you see the perception of Major League Soccer? Uh, how has it evolved over the years? And, and do you think it's going to keep on growing in the future? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's going to keep on growing. And, and there's, if you... I mean, if you go around uh, Messi's situation, what I would say, and this is a, this is only a, a, a one of the bottom lines that you can take away from it, and there's a lot behind that. But it, it, you have to think, and and I think some people are going to get into this uh, thinking is that Leo Messi rejected a lot of money to play in Arabia and and chose Major League Soccer for whatever reason, and is at at some point I think is going to he is going to be a little bit more uh, um, eloquent in, in, in those reasons whenever he gets the opportunity to uh, talk about it after his, uh, it becomes official. But for me, Major League Soccer is building an awesome product in terms of what uh, it gives to, to its fans, but it's also, it's, it has been building a, a great experience for players in terms of what you get when you play in this league and what you get in terms of way of life, in terms of uh, the, the, the peace that you get around playing at Major League Soccer stadiums. And all of those things are going to contribute to bringing uh, more players like Leo Messi. Well, I, I, wouldn't, should, I shouldn't say like Messi because there's nothing like Messi. But, I mean, high-level players that are still top of their game. I know that this is not the best Messi that we're going to get, but this is a still uh, champion of the world, Leo Messi, a guy that made a huge impact uh, still in PSG and, and his national team. So I think if it is for two or three years, that Messi boost to this league is going to be huge. Well, just think about David Beckham and the difference in quality between, and Beckham was an awesome player, but Messi is Messi. Yeah, he still was able to give a boost to to the league. Sure, oh, and 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 I agree. So, um, in that sense, I think this begs the question: Do you think um, the MLS will be able to compete with other major leagues in the world? And I don't mean it only on the uh, quote unquote performance side, on the quality mm -hmm. of the league itself, but also from a commercial and business perspective, which obviously broadcasting is a big part of that. So, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. What I can tell you is that that is a goal. For sure, that is a goal. I mean, the Major League Soccer in itself and its owners and its commissioner and its all the people around this league that's been involved with this league for a long time, that's that's what they think. And that's they think it's achievable. I think that if you work towards that goal, it is likely that you, you'll get there. I mean, there's always going to be uh, Champions League. There's always going to be Serie A, La Liga, Premier League. That Those are the major players in, in this. They're working on being a global league, and I think they're they're taking they're taking we are taking the right steps. That's I, I would say that for sure. And um, 
the the thing is that this league has many ingredients to become a global league in terms of the players that you can bring into the growth of the soccer uh, of the sport of soccer football here in the states and and this this is just a sign that that soccer here or that football here is still exploding you'll get uh, from now to the next three years, all the major competitions here. So you, you will get the first Club World Cup with the new um, format with the 32 teams. You will get it in the United States. The top European teams, um, they're going to be doing preseason in the United States. You will get the Copa America 2024 in the United States. You will get uh, World Cup 2026 in the United States and Mexico and, and Canada, but mainly in the United States. So I don't know how can anybody doubt that soccer or football, it's a success uh, in the United States. And for me, that's not anymore for debate, you know. And you know what? There's even rumors that the uh, 2026 Champions League final is going to be played there. I mean, we're reported, you know, you never know if that's true or not. Yeah. What it is true, and and this is something I've also discussed with other uh, leaders of the industry, is that... um, and we mentioned it before, no? Soccer is becoming embedded in the culture because you have not only um, the MLS is growing in quality and, and global reach, but you have phenomenons like Ted Lasso, like mm. uh, Wrexham with Ryan Reynolds, you know, obviously yes. behind that project. Um, you have obviously the World Cup. So at the end of the day, um, do you feel it because you're there? Do you feel that it's part of the culture, actually, soccer? Yes, I think so. I mean, this is a... a... United States are a, a pretty strong nation in terms of, of sports in, in any uh, caliber and in, in any um, age uh, group. And, and I say this because I know that uh, college-wise, uh, high school-wise, or uh, wh- whatever comes after that, this is a, a, a country that has a big sports following. And, and at this point, you cannot, for instance, compete with uh, NFL or NBA, MLB is, is regaining some some momentum here, but the soccer, football, for me, is a sports of a new generation of of Americans, and and I you can feel that whenever you go to parks, whenever you go to to schools, and and the popularity, the growing of the popularity of soccer, football between those uh, those uh, age groups, it's astonishing. I mean. For me, when I when I when I see that, I think that in fifteen or twenty years, the position of football of soccer in this country is going to be much higher than it is right now because of those new generations and and Major League Soccer with this deal with Apple and and all the football all the, all the soccer that is coming to the United States in the next three to four years, it's going to contribute hugely to that changing in culture. It's already there. And then you mentioned a couple of, of examples that are, are very good in, in terms of um, of signaling the the a little bit of the growth of the sport between the not the casual fan or sorry not the the hardcore fan of of soccer but the the casual fan uh, those are good examples. But what's to come in the next three or four years? I think it's gonna it's gonna make this sport take a, a, a huge leap. Uh, into the future in in America. I agree. And actually, I lived in the States when I was um, a kid. And you see the evolution. Um, and it's just amazing. Yeah. And, and I agree that in the future, it, the future is bright for Major League Soccer and, and soccer in general in the, in the States, no? Um, speaking of the future, what about sports broadcasting? Um, do, you, do you see any trends that we should be paying attention to? I see trends like once a week in this in this business lately i mean it's uh it's changing so fast that it's it's hard to to keep to keep on with it you know um for me you know i'm i'm a 40 almost 45 year old guy and i still consider myself not the of um you know not the veteran part of of the business because i know a, a lot of people that still works in the business that, that it's a couple of generations uh, beyond me but I, I'm starting feeling that that feel that you know you're you're getting not left behind, but that you 
sort of not understand every trend that is presenting itself uh, uh, within this business. I would say that the that social media changed it all. You know that that for sure that it democratized or I don't know if that's a word that massified it. It made much more accessible uh, the broadcasting part of it to to everyone that had basically a smartphone, which is everyone in the in this uh, in this time of, of life, you know. Uh, but also that that came with a lot of negatives for me, it, and and that's the uh, trivialization of the sports journalism that that I don't really like. I mean, everybody's a journalist now, no? <laughs> yes, everybody's a journalist, and 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 for me and you and people that that has uh, dedicated their life uh, to this uh, way of communicating to people, it is it is not good because you see that you, uh, there's there's people trying there's people trying their best to do. Um, journalism, although they maybe didn't have the uh, tools given to them to to do it, but they they do a good job. But there's also people that exploit this medium, this uh, possibility, this uh, chance or capability to uh, to broadcast to many people, and 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 it kind of maybe um, changes the sense of 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 the journalist itself. So, you know, we have to deal with that. We we have to learn as consumers of content that that's the bottom line for me. The, the consumer, it has to be a little bit more aware of, of the surroundings of what is given to them on a daily basis. But it, it's a challenge for the people that's behind the, the uh, microphone, um, behind a, a booth, uh, a broadcast, and for the people that's in front of a camera or in front of their social media um, uh, you know, of preference. So uh, it's a, we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, to your point. I mean, you see it all over the place, no? Uh, suddenly uh, newsletters start to emerge and now everybody's a writer. And then when back in the day with blogs and I, I think my personal opinion, and I'm not an expert, um, the people like you who have spent years mastering your craft, at the end of the day, the quality is there. Even if the tools kind of like democratize it. But I think the, People that actually do the, the best work actually end up standing out above that technology, you know. Um, but uh, that's, yeah, and that's, that's and that's that's I kind of agree, and that's why I said that the key is to be uh, to be an intelligent consumer, you know, to to try to dif differentiate what you've been given uh, on a daily basis in terms of. of I mean, the, the key word, and that's what defines journalism, is credibility. So uh, you, you have to start from there. That's what I would say. That's a good one, credibility. Um, speaking about credibility, I think this is a good time to shift a little bit uh, the topic of the conversation, Tony. And, and I, wanna, I want the audience to learn how, from your career, um, you know, your leadership uh, style. Um, so I just have a few questions just to finish off the interview. And I guess my first one would be given, you know, you've, you've been at this for so long what is the moment uh of your career that you're most proud of well and th th this is one of the questions that I, I i knew that you were gonna ask and it's it's still tough to to answer because uh as i was saying at, at the beginning of the conversation for and and you would get this because i i get the feeling and you told me that it's kind of uh, you you're working around this out of, out of passion for the game for for the sport in general so for us to be able to be there where, where history has been reading, um, it's it's just a privilege. So I don't know. I've been so blessed to cover so many important moments in, in sports history, whether it's a, a World Series of Baseball where the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs ended it, uh, what, a, what it was known as one of the worst hitters <laughs> uh, in, in, in sports history, uh, and that World Series going into seven games and, and having it all, that was incredible. To be able to cover a couple of NBA finals where LeBron James faced one of the best teams in history in the uh, Golden State Warriors, to be able to cover Champions League finals where, where Real Madrid got their 14th title. I mean, there, there's, there's been plenty of moments. So for me, it's, it's very tough, honestly, to, to pick one. I would say... Um, in terms of 
of exclusively my job uh, in terms of, of media, I would say that getting from uh, a national uh, network in Venezuela, where I was uh, working at first, where I was born and raised, to a place like ESPN, which has, which still has, and at that moment had a, a very global reach. For me, that, that was a, a career-defining moment because you get the opportunity not only to speak to your, uh, to your fellow, uh, uh, I don't know, countrymen, but also the world is your audience, you know, the, uh, at least the Spanish-speaking world at, at that point. So, so for me, that, that was a finding. I always keep that uh, very close to my heart, that, that my time at ESPN, I enjoy it very much. And, and it, was, uh, it changed my career. From that, you get uh, other opportunities, but it also, uh, some of those come after being able to work there. So, so in terms of working, just work-related, uh, the uh, places that I've been able to be to work for, that's special. And in terms of sports, I mean, it, it would it would be hard to to choose one uh, over the other. I imagine, but I like your answer, um, and I hope the audience appreciates this because at the end of the day, what you're saying is, hey, I've done so many amazing things. I've been I've been in front of history, uh, sports yeah. industry history, so many times. But you know what? When I go back to it, it's that time when I actually was able to take the leap to kind of sure. validate myself, to kind of like you know trust myself because that, that I'm you know, capable of doing this. So, so yeah, you, you never know. You can, you, when you connect dots, those are the moments that you cherish most. Yeah. So, so for the younger ones, I hope they, they learn from that. Um, and you know what I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, you even interviewed uh, Pelé, the legend. Himself. Yeah, that, that was, I, I always like to tell that story because one key element, and it, that's that you, uh, the key element being that you don't know what, what, what this, uh, line of work it's going to bring to you and and at that point to to make it uh to make a little bit context around it at that point i wasn't really working in sports i was working for a tv station in venezuela that gave me my first opportunity uh, on tv but for some reason that opportunity came into the form of being a reporter of like every sort every um topic available i mean since I was a new one, I was a guy that if the economics reporter wasn't there, I, I was sent to cover uh, some something in the economics part of it. Or if the, um, I don't know, politics, uh, the guy that was covering, let's say, I don't know, the president wasn't there, I was sent there. So, so it's, a, it's a, my, kind of my beginnings and then someday that I had to cover some election in Venezuela, my boss that really didn't uh, like sports, that, which is a, it's a pretty ironic. She was like, listen, I know you you came out of your shift already and you, you're safe to go home. There's, nobody's going to stop you, but there's these people in the sports department that they are asking me for somebody to go cover and, and do an interview to this Pelé guy. So I was like, come on, really? And um, and the, it presented itself in in that way. So the much the, the the most unexpected way to go interview one of the greatest uh, athletes of all time. So that that's why I like to tell that story uh, that many times because if I wasn't expecting it. That was my the first athlete that I interviewed for TV was Pelé. That's you you cannot make up uh, you, you cannot write a story <laughs> that that is uh, something like that. So so I was very proud. Uh, and very grateful for that moment, and and uh, from there, yeah, I had I had the opportunity to interview a lot of great athletes. That's that's still on on top, you know. Well, Pelé's Pelé. Uh, in a way, it, it kind of reminds me when you're playing in the youth teams, and then you suddenly get called up, and you have to perform at the highest level. Yeah, um, Pelé. And you know, I think some of the other legends in football that you've interviewed, and correct if if any of these names are wrong, but include Thierry Henry, Kaká. Um, Uyol, Anetti, Rafa Marquez, which you mentioned before. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious, I don't know, while speaking to them, is there any common patterns that, you know, you have learned from them or, or that you identified out of these legends of the game? Just curious. Well, even beyond that, because I, I have this uh, work has given me the opportunity to even make friends within uh, former players. And I, out of those names, I would have to put in that list, and and I would I wouldn't put them as an inter 
interviewees because I what I really did was work alongside them, and I was pretty fortunate. One of them was Carlos Puyol, which was what is which is a, a a great guy. I mean, a so down to earth guy that that I had the opportunity to enjoy even watching uh, Spain national team uh, alongside him. So that was that was pretty awesome, you know, to get to talk to a guy that was a, a historic captain of the of the national team while watching the national team uh, live on site. That, that was awesome. But also I got the opportunity to work day by day with Ivan Zamorano, Jesus Tochko, and then becoming friend, friends with these guys, you, you learn that even though you put them on a pedestal because you grew up or you grow up idolizing, idolizing those guys because of what they do on the field, you learn that they are humans with a little bit of the same problems that we have. So for me, what I would take away from that is that sometimes we as, as football fans, we treat players as just players, you know, in terms of we need these guys to score more goals, we need these guys, these guys to be better defending, and we sometimes forget that they have kind of the same problems that we had. I mean, if they need to change, if they are going to change teams, they need to look for a school for their for their kids. And although they they have more tools than we have in terms of maybe economically speaking or maybe a, let's say a, some people from the club that may help them get to those problems or those things that they need to get easier, they still have to make decisions. They still have to uh, talk to their wives and decide which city is better for the family to, to live, you know, although may, they, that, not may, that may not coincide with the team that they want to play for. So those things is what I take from having those conversations with those iconic players. And I, and I don't know if you're sure wasn't weren't going that way with it, the question, but that's what I really take out of it, uh, from it. Well, you know what? I love the answer because at the end of the day, I think, and this goes back to what we were mentioning before about social media. We've kind of forgotten that at the end of the day, they're also people. They're just very talented at what they do, but because they're so in the public, we kind of forget that they have their human side to it. Yeah. Um, and, and to your point, I, I mean, I don't know Puyol personally, but everybody who's a, who I've spoken to that knows him, they speak highly of him. So, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it, it's a great lesson. Um, yeah, they're, they're there. We see them like very far away, but then when you actually speak to them, they're just normal people. Um, and then I'm going to shift that question around. Um, and actually... You could actually choose one of these two because I don't know which one you might mm. want to answer. Um, if you could interview any player in history, imagine there's no boundaries, yes. or, any, or even any sport. Um, okay. You can open to that if you want that. Or be involved in a particular game in history, um, you know, like broadcasted. <laughs> which, <laughs> which one would it be? You mean bro broadcast? Like just be involved. Yeah. Any any game in history? No, because when you said be you, when you said being involved, I, I I was just imagining myself putting a cross for Pelé to head the ball into the net. <laughs> that's that's enough. But any, I mean, good I mean that aside, that aside, yeah. I I mean one of the the uh, for me one of the main things of this profession is to being able to to talk to to athletes to to get to know a little bit of what you don't know already from them from their public persona. So, so interviewing is one of, them, one of my favorite things in this business besides hosting or commenting or analyzing a game. So no, for sure, I, I would choose to interview um, an athlete. And I would say there's, well, there, there's two, but I, I would think that because of the, uh, um, the so low profile that he has kept, uh, from all these years being away from the game, I would choose uh, Michael Jordan because he's one of the few athletes that's really kind of unquestioned. Unquestioned is the best of his sport and beyond, you know, because some people believe that he may be the best athlete of all time because of his, of his dominance of the basketball game at, at this time. And, and this, this is always a key question for fans, you know, or a key debate is can you compare eras, you know? So, so talking to Michael Jordan at this moment when basketball is so different from what he, the sport that he played, uh, for me, that, that would be incredible. That's what I would choose for sure. That's a great answer, obviously. 
uh, and now after he just recently sold his stake in in, in Charlotte. I mean, yes. at the end of the day, you can just ask him so many questions. And yes, uh, there's, yeah. a, there's a business side. There's the there's a lot. You you yeah. you have to be there with him for a week or so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and you know what, Tony? Um, uh, a lot of the audience that we have in this show is uh, people who want to enter the industry or they're young talents that want to grow uh, within the not only the football industry or the soccer industry, but also the sports. So, um, would you have any advice for aspiring talent, especially? journalist and you've said it before right uh there's so many tools it's hard to stand out how do they stand out well that this is going to be a little bit contradictory what i'm going to say uh don't don't take the, the the easy road that's what i would say and because there's a key element on your question and is how do you stand out and in this times people sometimes choose to stand out by being, uh, how can I say it in English? I mean, being too loud. That's, that's what I would say. And then that's not uh, just uh, in terms of volume, you know, uh, sheer power of the voice. I would say that being too loud, when I'm saying being too loud is just don't say something to get noticed. Just back it up, you know, just be yourself. Just because I know that commercially in this, in this media, in this industry, creating a character, it's sometimes commercially worth it, and and you get you'll be getting noticed. On the other hand, as that as that uh, practice proliferates, it's it's getting harder and harder to get it get noticed by that, you know. But uh, when you when you build on your credibility, when you when you are yourself, when you're uh, candid when you're honest to the audience that's always going to get you somewhere good you know that's that's what i would say and that's that's my belief it may not be reflected in the in the modern times but for sure that's what i think at the end of the row it's going to get you to a to a good place it's funny because um i've had a lot of conversations on the post on this podcast and i you always like to ask that version of the question and and what i get from it is that a lot of you say pretty much the same idea which is the journey is actually the reward Sure. Um, right. So, so it's not just kind of like, yeah, I want to get there, but you know, enjoy the process. It's hard. It's challenging. Um, it's going to be difficult to stand out, but at the end of the day, you have to dedicate yourself to the craft every day and, and actually learn to enjoy, to master that craft. So, so it's, it's interesting. Um, Tony, I don't want to take too much, uh, more of your time because, you know, I want to be respectful of it. Um, I want to ask you though, if you had to define your career, say in one, two words or in a tweet even. Hmm. Let's do it. Uh, taking a little bit of what you said just recently, it, it has been a, a wonderful journey. It has been a, a journey that has fulfilled all the expectations that I had about this career, about this profession when I took on it, and more, and even more than, than that. I mean, if, if I would turn the clock 25 years from now, 25 years back, and I would tell to myself, listen, you would, you would, you will be able to do this and, and talk to this athlete or being in that special moment, a history of sports. I may not have believed it at that, at that point, you know, because I was, I entered this business with a lot of expectations, with a lot of ambition, with the idea of trying to be the best, trying to be in the, in the best places. And I've, and I've been there, but a little bit more. So I would say fulfilling. I would say uh, that I'm pretty grateful for the opportunities that came by. Some of those you have, well, you have to earn all of those. It, it's a little bit of luck. You have to look for that luck. You have to be there. You have to be present. You have to uh, talk to the right people. You have to show the right attitude uh, every day in your uh, work. So, so yeah, it's been, uh, if I would have to define it in one word, it would be fulfilling for sure. Yeah, you have to earn, let's say, your right to be lucky, right? It's kind sure. of like a, That's a good definition of it. You know, and, and it kind of like, uh, in a way, kind of like relates to my story. Um, but, you know, we're not going to get into that. But, but you know, you have to dedicate yourself to the craft every day. And then yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do it in reverse sometime. And I'll, <laughs> get, I'll, get, I'll get you on my podcast. Uh, we'll I, we'll I, see about that. I think it's a logical step after interviewing Pelé. You know, I think I'm, I'm the logical step. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so, it comes, comes down the chain just uh, right after it. <laughs> anyway, Tony, I want to I wanna thank you so much. Uh, I have had a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. I'm sure the audience is going to learn a lot uh, as well. 
Um, are there any last words you want to share with the audience? Where can people learn more about you, uh, everything that you do? Well, uh, uh, there, there's always, I mean, uh, I, I'm kind of, with, with social media, I'm, I have this love and hate relationship because there's a lot of wrong things there. But, but as I was saying, if you try to, to learn as a consumer, you get good things. And I, I, I'm always open in social media. I mean, uh, Twitter, kind of not that active anymore, but I still tweet. I have a, a YouTube channel in which I like to um, just get my opinion out on, on some things relating football and NBA and, I don't know, life sometimes. So, so I'm there. I'm there for uh, whomever uh, that's listening that wants to to get a conversation pretty active. I answer a lot of the, the questions on social media, so I'm there. And um, just just uh, follow Major League Soccer. You'll be amazed of what this league, if you don't know it, if you're not aware of, of the competition, uh, brings every day. I know that it's been known as a league that it doesn't have defending, and I know that every week that we have three or four or five amazing goals, that's where people goes to. I would just say, just appreciate what, what, what we have in terms of, of the spectacle itself. And you, you'll be amazed if you tune in. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a fantastic way to end uh, this conversation. Tony, again, thank you so much. Um, and hopefully we'll bring you back in the future to do a round two. Uh, and we can, you know, see how this uh, project you're involved in has evolved from all angles. So thank sure, you very much. Anytime. And, and, and I really enjoy the conversation, Jaime. So, so thanks for having me again. Thank you, Tony. Have a good day. And there you have him, Tony Kerki. That was a fun one. The main takeaways for me were the potential of Major League Soccer is immense. If you think about it, they have four major ingredients up their sleeve. They have global reach. They have positive momentum. They are increasing the quality of the players. And major competitions are being held there, including the Club World Cup, European teams actually playing games there, Copa America, and of course, World Cup 2026. But don't forget about the League's Cup, which could be a game changer for the region. And even further, if Messi makes his debut there. They're also focusing on enhancing the overall experience. Another takeaway, the future of sports journalism must rely on credibility. You need to work hard to put yourself in a position to, you know, be lucky. But still, you need to rely on credibility. Finally, I love this approach to the word challenging. He embraces it, and he's not intimidated by it. Did anything else stand out to you? Let us know on social media. Don't forget to subscribe and read the podcast on your platform of choice, and share it with your industry colleagues. Remember, you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and that you can find the link in the show notes. Nothing else from my side. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the World Football Summit podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a great rest of your day, and we hope to see you next time.